We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Contrarian strategies to win basketball contests in 2023. That's what we're going to talk about on today's show, looking specifically at the FFPC and the Superflex tournament in the never too early basketball format over there. Sean, I'm looking forward to jumping in. I know we're going to be looking today at an article that Blair Andrews has up on rotavis.com detailing the opening rounds of a draft that you and him are both doing over at the FFPC. Before we get into the actual draft, what I want to mention to start things off is last shout out for listeners interested in drafting in this contest against myself and yourself this coming Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern. That is Sunday, the 26th of February. We'll be doing a listeners draft, 11 listeners versus myself and Sean, live drafting on the clock, and we'll be doing some content around that draft then as things happen and after they happen. So, Sean, I'm looking forward to that. But if you are interested in playing, it's a $35 entry fee. It will be a live draft. It is at 1 p.m. Eastern on the 26th, which is this coming Sunday. Send me an email at overtimeireland at gmail.com or drop me a DM on Twitter at overtimeireland. Sean, you've got to dip your toes in before I've got to dip my toes in here officially, and we'll be looking through it today to try and see some of the strategies we might entail. And listeners will know from the Superflex tournaments that we drafted in last year, we like to, and everyone knows Sean, Sean's Twitter handle has the word contrarian and it. Sean doesn't use his Twitter account, but the, the previous handle is FF underscore contrarian. We're always going to talk contrarian strategies here and we like to implement them specifically more so than anywhere else. Sean, I think we've uh, did a lot of different strategies in the Superflex format. So looking forward. How are you feeling looking at the ADP, how the draft boards have shooken out over those opening weeks here for the basketball season, which gets earlier and earlier every year. Uh, I think we'll be by the time the 2025 season starts, we'll be already drafting for the 2026 season. At that point, I think it'll it'll have advanced to that point. Literally perfect. I can't wait for that to be the case. That should be what we're doing. De- right? Devi basketball. That's where we're going, Sean. Devi basketball exactly. leagues. So. Exactly. So that part of it is absolutely awesome. We have a fantastic contest here from the FFPC. Colin, you and I have been lucky, and I say lucky because you have to be very fortunate to finish at the top of these contests. We're going to do a draft or look at a draft here with Blair. This will give us a little strategy session going into the big, fun Lister League draft this weekend. 
And also it gives us a little bit of insight from Blair. And as many of the listeners will know that you and he and I finished second a couple years ago to Connor O'Driscoll, the incomparable Connor O'Driscoll. So we felt good to finish second behind him. And then you and I drafted a team in this specific tournament last season, not the never too early version, but the first of the super flex tournaments and Colin, yeah, we were lucky. We finished 16th in the final weekend. There were 33 teams. We finished in the dead middle, despite not scoring a point from our pick from round one, from round two, from round three, from round four and round five. So I guess mostly what I'm saying here is these first four rounds that we're going to kind of do a deep dive into today. They're, they're completely irrelevant, right? I mean, you've got to hit on everybody else. That's obviously not completely the case. We had maybe maybe the fact is that we need to pay more attention to these opening four rounds this year. But for oh, the listeners who maybe in the finals yeah. from our first five picks, for people who may be wondering, that was you know Jalen Hurts, uh, Justin Jefferson, a number of players in there who who didn't put up points in that week. Rather than the, those selections were very bad. Let's just say that they were they were good selections, Sean. Yeah, they 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 work nicely. But sometimes the players don't play all the way through the season. Brees Hall didn't. That was. A big dagger for so many of my teams. I'm assuming that uh, since he was the best pick in all of fantasy last season, and OT listeners are among the best fantasy players, there probably there were a lot of other people lamenting that injury. Again, we, we don't know what he would have done if, if the season hadn't gone the direction that it did. But man, I I don't know. I mean, he he looked like one of the best rookie running backs ever, ever. So hopefully he heals up and is able to get out there and put up points early in 2023. Hopefully it will not be a J.K. Dobbins type of situation. He was the 301 as the RB6 in this draft, so we'll get a little bit deeper into that. But Colin, you mentioned it. Our first round pick in this last season was Jalen Hurts. Having that foundation quarterback is a huge advantage and then we ended up with four quarterbacks. We took three late quarterbacks. One of the things that we have talked from time to time on the show, but as I was thinking about this draft I'm doing with Blair, as I was thinking about the draft that we're going to do with the OT listeners this weekend, and just these drafts in general, especially the early drafts, you want to use the insights from the best ball workshops, the insights from the Fantastic tools that Mike Beers put together. And then more recently, Blair Andrews and Dave Cabin and Anthony Shook have been sort of curating and adding to. You want to use everything you can from there. And you don't want to just draft willy-nilly. At the same time, if you have a specific player where you believe strongly that the your thesis for that player is dramatically different than what the community is on and that it would change the ADP to the point where you know that player would actually fit in a QB window, for example, or just that that player is virtually guaranteed to be a league winner if you are right. And there are so many things that come down to if you're right. You can't go out and draft as though you're wrong. I don't believe that that is a way that is functional to play. Now, you have to understand that you're going to be wrong sometimes, and that has to factor in. It's one of the things that we talk about so much with humility-based drafting. And so you're not going to make every single pick as though you can see the future, but you're also not going to avoid these amazing values that you specifically have picked out. So last season, we thought that Geno Smith was going to be the starter for the Seahawks. We didn't necessarily believe he'd be as good as he was, but a starting QB in a 
borderline functional offense is going to be valuable. Superflex, we picked him in the last round. He was obviously one of the big reasons that we were able to advance. If you have some selections like that sitting out there early in 2023 that you're on and the community hasn't picked up on yet, and they probably will, so it makes some sense to get some exposure right now as opposed to waiting to pay when everybody is on it. You want to make some of those selections and then also keep a little bit of an eye on the exposure. Depends on if you're going to play, again, three or four leagues, if you're going to play 10, if you're going to play 100. You've got different types of things you're doing from a portfolio perspective, depending on the leagues that you play. Now, you and I play a decent number of leagues for the show, and we play a decent number of leagues across all of the different formats. We don't have massive portfolios overall. So as we draft, we're probably drafting somewhat similarly to a lot of the listeners, maybe in a wider variety of formats, but we're not going out there and drafting hundreds of teams in any specific format. So that is going to influence a little bit how we play these leagues, right? I think in the Superflex tournaments last year, we had five or six leagues and they weren't all together, but five or six leagues approximately overall. And so again, I think that within that context, that 16th overall finish, pretty exciting. We look here, Colin, and again, Superflex, this is about quarterbacks. And the first five picks were QB. I don't think that part is surprising in the least. We get Josh Allen, number one, Patrick Mahomes, number two, Jalen Hurts, number three. I think that there's a pretty good argument for Hurts to go in the second spot. You have Joe Burrow, fourth, coming off of this dynamic where he emerges. And now people are asking, is he better than Patrick Mahomes? Right up until a close game is won by the Chiefs. And then obviously we're back to Mahomes. Not really Joe Burrow's fault there. Justin Herbert, the fifth pick. That is an interesting one. And we'll get back to that in a second. And then we get some of the non-QBs to start coming off the board. Justin Jefferson, sixth. Travis Kelsey, seventh. Justin Fields, eighth. And then Christian McCaffrey, ninth. I think that that is sort of the top tier. So we can kind of look at it from that perspective. Colin Blair and I had the seventh pick. We were debating between Travis Kelsey and Christian McCaffrey for the most part, but Justin Fields also an interesting player in the mix here. If we look at QB scoring from week six to week 17, we throw out week 18 because a lot of the teams are doing different things in that week. We're going to eliminate that first four to five weeks because that was pre Justin Fields as he is. And as I think most people believe he's going to be, especially if he can stay healthy, during that 11-week stretch, you get nine games from Hertz, 11 from Mahomes, 10 from Burrow, 10 from Fields, 10 from Josh Allen. The interesting thing there, on a point-per-game basics, Hertz averages 29.5, Mahomes 28.9, Joe Burrow 27.7, Fields 26.1, and Josh Allen 25.9. So it's not to say that Josh Allen should be picked fifth. Obviously, we know that over a multi-year window, He's been right up there with Patrick Mahomes as not only the highest scoring, but the most consistent QB. He really is this unique, unstoppable weapon. And yet there are some other guys that belong in that range and Justin Fields with the rushing ability. Now we talk about regression. One of the things that we know from Josh Allen, from Patrick Mahomes is that they can do this year after year after year. You look at a, a 10 game stretch here where Allen averages only 26 points per game. And you're thinking, well, he's going to probably bounce back from that. Whereas Mahomes, if you don't have the rushing value, you've got to throw for an absurd amount of points just in the passing game. With Hertz, we know he brings the rushing. With Fields, he brings the rushing, but you kind of think he's going to have to 
throw more and throw more successfully to balance out what you would assume is a slight decrease in the number of huge plays. Now, is he going to run and run successfully? Yes, but he's going to have a bunch of 70-yard touchdown runs in the future. Those are harder to manufacture consistently. But that, for me, is probably the top group. And then the question is whether Justin Herbert and this new coordinator, and if they can keep the receivers healthy, if he really belongs in there. But those are the guys. And then I think that there are three unique players in Jefferson, Kelsey, and McCaffrey, who also start to fit into that mix. Is that the way that you are seeing this as we get into these very early drafts? Would you have it as these six QBs and then the three individual players who might mix in as well? Or do you have the tier set a little bit differently? It's very similar to what you have. I think Jamar Chase should be in that tier as well as the top available players. Now that is the 11th pick off that round, but if I'm in a lot of these drafts, I'm still going to be probably and I, I know you didn't mention Eckler but he's the the player that goes after McCaffrey and I think that Chase should be in that same tier very very close to Justin Jefferson I I do think that he he deserves to be there and I think it's gonna be interesting to see how it evolves I think with Fields I feel like even though you mentioned the the big plays that he probably won't produce I still think there'll be some of those broken plays that that will happen with but I do think he should have more options in the passing game and I I think that we're going to see him take a step forward this year hopefully there's more options around him by the time and that, that's one of the interesting things about drafting at this point there's a lot of trying to figure out how the teams will set up we haven't gone through free agency we haven't gone through the draft another player who's quarterback based going as the quarterback seven this year is the 12th pick of this draft is lamar jackson it's interesting because where you you in the situation to travis kelsey then you have to think also about how the adp sets after that and Justin Fields is very, very interesting for you who goes one pick after at that spot. Then if you don't take your quarterback there, Lamar Jackson goes 12th, and then in the the 202 and the 203 are Trevor Lawrence and Dak Prescott. So if you don't take your quarterback at that point, Daniel Jones is the next quarterback off the board at the the midpoint of the second round, then you're into Kurt Cousins. There's going to be some interesting thought projections going through the quarterbacks and who is going to be available if you do pass. One of the things, Sean, that you have proven – when we have drafted in the past, you're comfortable to wait, not just on late quarterback, but well, well, well down uh, waiting on quarterback. And that's something, spoiler alert for listeners, that is going to happen with this draft as well with yourself and Blair. But I do think people might find that a little bit tough. I think Fields is probably the most interesting pick there. I think the best scenario for you in that situation, Sean, would be Justin Jefferson falls one more pick. My question is, though, you mentioned Christian McCaffrey, you mentioned Justin Fields. And Travis Kelsey was the pick that you did make. Obviously, it's tight end premium at the FFPC, and it's going to going to help out in that format. I, I would have Fields, Kelsey, and Chase as my potential picks there ahead of Christian McCaffrey. But the final pick was Kelsey. Are we just looking to see if if Kelsey continues to be Travis Kelsey and dominates like he has over the the last number of years? Hey, what's up, listeners? It's Curtis Patrick from the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast. And now that you've taken your fantasy game to the next level, it's time to take your sports viewing experience to the next level, too. Epson just hooked me up with this new Epic Vision Ultra LS800 laser projector, including their optional 120 inch Silver Flex screen. It's an absolute game changer. With an Epic 120 inch picture, it's twice the size of an 85 inch TV. With a 4K Pro UHD picture this big, I can evaluate plays and prospect game film like never before. 
Even my kids are as pumped for game day as I am. Go check it out by visiting epson.com slash rotoviz. And like Epson says, bring the sportsbook experience home. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. That is the idea here with Travis Kelsey. And one of the slightly under the radar elements about the Superflex version of the tournament is that you are losing one flex spot in some ways. Now, one of the things that happened with the team that you and I put together last season is that our picks were strong enough that we often had a position player in the Superflex, and that was actually not hurting us. We did have the four QBs, the early QB and the three late QBs, and the QBs did score. They weren't necessarily hurt and out most of the time. But at times here, you still get enough points. The QB scoring is also minimized slightly, which is something that's good to keep in mind, that it's not always going to be the QB2 who's in the super flex spot. If you draft a strong enough team at the other positions, it could be a tight end, a running wide receiver, one of these guys. So that part comes into play, but also because you're losing one of the flexes that's definitely going to be a receiver running back, possibly a tight end. The tight end becomes a larger percentage of the starters from a running back wide receiver tight end perspective. So that part of it bumps up tight end even a little bit more beyond where it already is in tight end premium, where these guys can just score so many points. The other thing then with Travis Kelsey is that he continues to separate the situation last year, as opposed to the advancing age and the lack of other targets to draw defensive attention, knocking him slightly, he takes another step. And the gap that he has right now, you look at expected points, three-point gap over everyone, and then adding a significant number of points over expectation onto that, and then that's enhanced further in tight end premium. He's not necessarily going to score touchdowns at the same level he did this last season. We could start to see a decline that's age-related. But Travis Kelsey has been healthy. That's one of the things that occurred in 2022 over 2021. One of the caveats that people would often attach to his 2021 season, when you look at a little bit of the decline that happened there, 
is that perhaps it was related to some injuries that he played through. That looks very much like it was the case when you come out then and look at his 2022 season. If you have a guy playing at this level and is healthy, yeah, the problem that you run into is that once these older players do start to decline, it can happen very quickly. When they have injuries, it's harder to come back from them. Their teams, when they're looking at the equation of age and contract and then coming back from injuries, all of those types of things create this cliff. But at the same time, when you're getting this type of production from a player, especially in something that is not dynasty, and we've done a lot of shows talking about just how different that is in terms of how you want to think about trade value, player value. When you're looking at it from a one-year perspective, I mean, Travis Kelsey just went out and proved again that he should perhaps be considered, I think, at the 104. I mean, really, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, the only guys who should definitively go ahead of him in this format. So to get him at the 107, in some ways, you feel like you're getting a gift. Let me throw it back to you then. When we're looking at our draft, we're going to give away just plenty of tips, hints, spoilers for those 11 players who are going to be drafting with us this weekend. We're going to give away our strategy, especially for the early going column. What pick do you want us to have? And who, if we get that pick, do you want us to take? I like the option, obviously, and this is going to be sounding. I, I like like the 103. I think you're going to get one of the best quarterbacks and it's going to give you an option as to who basically who's available out of Josh Allen's not going to be there, but Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, or Joe Burrow. And this draft, for example, it is Jalen Hurts. But I do think that opens you up for the option to, as we talk through the rest of this draft, go into either running backs or wide receivers that have massive, massive upside and double up on those. So you're kind of missing out. I, I think a lot of drafters, when they're at the back end of that first round, are going to have that little bit of a quarterback panic and try and get some of the guys that are taken here, for example. But I think that also pushes down some of the... I think lower end elite wide receiver talent and the higher end running backs back to the back end of the second round. So I'd like having one of those first three picks if possible. We haven't had much luck, Sean, with the opening picks in the super flex. We, we tend to be from kind of spot seven backwards. So maybe that'll change in 2023, but that, that will be my preference as a, a top four pick, but ideally top three. Would you like to be in the mid range where you are here or earlier or later? And obviously it's going to vary from draft to draft, but, I think that third or fourth spot. And that was my favorite spot last year, again, because you could double up on those wide receivers at the, the back end of the second, early third. I like having that pick in the back portion, but partly what I like for 2023 is that you can build some different types of teams based on where you are. I'd like to build some Fields teams, some McCaffrey teams. If you have one of the early picks, you have the QB team, and then you can select some interesting guys when you come back around, like a Jalen Waddle, like a Brees Hall, like a C.D. Lamb. In this particular draft, the manager out of the three slot starts Jalen Hurts, Stephon Diggs, C.D. Lamb, Devontae Smith. That is a very exciting pick. And I won't give the spoilers away. Blair is going to have part two in this series coming out soon, but the Swing for the fences, running back selections by that team in rounds five and six. Pretty incredible. I love the team that that drafter is putting together. Maybe the only question, but again, it just it contributes. I'm not going to give spoilers either, team. Sean, but that roster is spectacular. spectacular it is. Spectacular. It has Will Levis in round 10 as the QB2. That one, again, controversial, exciting. Does 
he get drafted where people think he's going to get drafted? Does he play as a rookie despite not being a good college player? Can he bring this fantasy profile? Because that's what, really what you're drafting there. And it's not just what a fantasy manager is drafting. It's what the actual NFL team is going to be drafting is a fantasy profile, which I don't know if that's going to be successful, Colin, but it is awesome. So we're excited to see how that part of it works. But so we get the first round here. Lamar is the 112. We get a little bit of a feel for the concerns that managers have. Number one with the fact that he hasn't been healthy for a couple of years now and hasn't looked like someone who really cares about playing injured, which that's probably completely and totally unfair between the two things. You either have to be healthy or you have to play with some of these Knicks. The contract situation has obviously played into that. Once he gets a new big contract, even with the Ravens or a team that he is signed and traded to, he's going to jump back up into the top five or six picks. He's someone that we could have considered at the 107. And then we get into this exciting second round and controversial second round where the quarterbacks, I think, as you mentioned, pretty controversial. The position players, a lot of fun. You get Robinson at the 201. Again, drafters love. This is the third running back selected and selected ahead of Jonathan Taylor. And Jonathan Taylor now in the situation where he's going to get the whiz kid offensive coordinator from the Philadelphia Eagles. That, I think, you have to really pump him back up. Jonathan Taylor is going to end up having multiple more seasons above 20 fantasy points per game. And how I'm just going to go ahead and throw in a bold prediction. I Every once in a while, you just can't stop yourself. And so... Jonathan Taylor, he's going to have a 25-point-per-game season sometime in the next three years. You're probably thinking that in the first year of this new regime with Indianapolis, maybe it's not going to be this. Maybe we're looking at 2024 as that 25-point-per-game season. But Jonathan Taylor is going to have a year in the next three where he breaks off 550-plus touchdown runs. Those are worth a lot of fantasy points. So... No huge surprise that that's the player that Blair and I were actually hoping would make it to our pick at the 206. He goes to the 205. So we have Robinson, Trevor Lawrence. I love Trevor Lawrence at the 202 and Superflex. That's a great pick. Dak Prescott, the 203. Consider the quarterback change there and how up and down he is. I don't know. I, I always have a hard time getting on board the Dak Prescott train when he has games like week one last year and a couple of blowups down the stretch. You feel like you're right. When he's injured, you feel like you're right. When he goes along and has what was most of his season last year, then obviously this would be a perfect pick at the 203. Lots of fantasy points from Dak Prescott. If they add a complimentary piece to C.D. Lamb, you could easily see him score in the top two or three quarterbacks. And that's an Eckler, Prescott, T. Higgins, Nick Chubb team. I don't know that Nick Chubb in Superflex, even at the 403, is a good pick anymore. But that's a fun start that that team has. Cooper Cup. If he bounces back to 90% of what he was, then that's a home run pick. Taylor, we selected Tyreek Hill. And Tyreek Hill, even with, and Tyreek Hill has always got a foot problem or a mild ankle problem or a hamstring pull. And he leaves the game, comes back a quarter later and scores another you know, 15 fantasy points, 100 yards receiving, seven more catches, two more touchdowns. Obviously, that's more than 15 points. Tyreek Hill is going to score a lot of points for you. You think about all of the things that happen in this season. Tyreek Hill may be the next guy to have that Justin Jefferson Cooper Cup type of season where he threatens 23, 24, 25 points per game. We obviously are not banking those points. 
We're expecting more something around 18 points per game. But like him as probably the safest and highest upside receiver in this area, then you have Devontae Adams, who is going to have to deal with another new QB this year. I finally am scared for him. Josh McDaniels obviously doesn't know what he's doing. Daniel Jones, A.J. Brown, Stephon Diggs, Saquon Barkley, who call him the current research, the current rumors are that it's going to be $14 million a year man. I mean, he actually wasn't used that heavily in big stretches for the Giants this season. They didn't throw him the ball. I don't see how they could possibly think he's worth $14 million if they didn't use him properly as it was. Jalen Waddle, the 212. So I think the thing that people are going to really notice here is that Daniel Jones, and he's someone that we've talked a lot about. He's, he's looking to be the $45 million man, so we'll see what yeah. happens there. <laughs> Again, probably not exactly going to happen. But I mean, he's going to get a lot of money because is he worth is he worth three Saquon Barclays? Well, he, because the running back. So yeah, we we go back and forth on this, and that we'll save that for another podcast. We'll save well, that for another day. We will save that for another day. We do love the running backs, though, Colin. That our reluctance to draft some of them has nothing to do with not loving them. There's nothing more fun than watching a difference-making running back on Sunday morning. I say that as someone who is out here in Arizona where you get to watch NFL on Sunday morning. For most people, Sunday afternoon, Daniel Jones, an interesting pick at this point. He was one of our targets in Dynasty. He was one of our targets in Redraft, one of our targets, obviously, in Best Ball, where you don't have to pick the weeks. I love how valuable he is now on all of my Dynasty rosters. This is not a price I would necessarily feel comfortable paying because as you wrap back around, the QB that Blair and I were targeting was Tua. That's part of the reason we actually took Tyree Kill in the second round because if we get Tua, the plan in round three, you have those players together. Then you have Kyler Murray toward the end of round three, Deshaun Watson toward the end of round three. Those are weird. I mean, Deshaun Watson going where he's going now is weird because there was no possible way that he was going to come out. I mean, there's a possible way. Very unlikely things happen all the time right but on a percentage basis it was extraordinarily unlikely that he was going to come out and have the kind of season that it seems like people expected him to have last year i think it's also unlikely that with a like true year to repair now that he's played a little bit i mean is he already into the russell wilson phase of his career but even if he is i mean russell wilson has picked one pick later <laughs> in this draft at the 312 so that part a little bit odd perhaps so Kyler Murray, you have the injury, you have the new coaching staff that has all the makings of a debacle, but we are seeing this tier that I think once Prescott is gone, Daniel Jones belongs in this tier with Cousins, Tua, Murray, Watson, and then Russell Wilson probably is the start of a new tier. Is that the way that you are seeing these quarterbacks? And if that's the case, so the team that goes, that takes Daniel Jones also arguably reached for justin herbert but they're also the only team that started qb qb which we know has been very effective in Superflex, and it does give you a lot that you can then work with as you're going through the draft as opposed to stockpiling qbs later which obviously blair and i had to do then you're free to hit all of the best values at the other positions this drafter hits tj hawkinson in round three two of our very favorite players very good values in this overall that's a very nice start from a structural perspective that was the one thing that I was going to to mention. We'll get to it now. Is the fact that only one team went quarterback, quarterback, which has been very, very common over the last couple of years. A very popular approach to try and get those guys onto 
your team to to give you that solid starting point but there's obviously only two teams yourself or three teams sorry sean yourselves included that have not taken a quarterback in those opening two rounds but i I was surprised that only one team went qb qb but i think also it may be a little bit reactionary to what we did see last year we've talked in a number of shows about the amount of quarterback injuries the amount of quarterback changes things like that there's a lot of quarterbacks this year who are in flux in terms of where they will be playing let's say lamar jackson daniel jones who could potentially move for different reasons you mentioned there deshaun watson who like we were expecting him to struggle when he came back sean <laughs> I, I wasn't expecting him to struggle to the extent that he did struggle because that was really a disaster we've seen russell wilson that was an absolute disaster but you know we, we have seen quick turnarounds in certain situations and i know it's also part of the progression of his nfl career but trevor lawrence for example this year is going in this particular draft at the the 202 he wasn't as bad a situation as anybody could have been 24 months ago has the the season there with urban meyer urban meyer no longer there big changes this year and obviously that could just be that his career developed as a nfl player but i think it's also to do with the situation he was in and the coaching that was around him we may see something similar from russell wilson maybe not to the same extent but i think at the last pick of the third round he could be potentially interesting deshaun watson kyler murray in a similar boat obviously we have two in his concussions but i think there's quite a bit of a reaction to how the season finished and even if you see the quarterbacks that are going in this outside of uh, justin fields and i know lamar jackson didn't actually play in the playoffs but we're kind of looking at quarterbacks who were in the playoff hunter made the playoffs being those quarterbacks that are going in the opening two rounds and I, I think that makes it a little bit where the approach that you have taken and that some of the other teams have taken and waiting on quarterback I think could be the the early play in these opening drafts because I think there may be some quick reactionary I think uh, drafting being done do you think that that is off the mark completely or do you think that we may be seeing people reacting very quickly to how last season finished and how certain players played last season in particular because we do see time to time players have those seasons and then and then come back to what they were previously exactly and we talk a lot about one of the hard things for fantasy football is hitting on certain players and this happens i think mostly or in the biggest way at running back where we draft these zero rb stars and then the next year they're around two pick or maybe if you took a guy as a rookie he's around one pick even players who move up into round three round four if you're not projecting them to be the 101 next season then you have to be off of them right so you look at Brees hall and he's someone the injury is a complicating factor but you might still be on him because in non-super flex his chance to be the 101 in 2024 is extremely high. I mean, you're probably looking at McCaffrey and Taylor and Robinson and Hall as the four guys. And I mean, I would give the edge to the young players. So if you're talking about the 101, the 102, and you're getting them in the second round or a super flex in the third round, then that's a possibility. But most of these guys, you just have to say, I, I love this player. I drafted him and I won. And now I have to be on the next player. I can't chase the points up. You have a little bit of that at QB. Obviously, when we hit on these rookies in round six and seven, if they then are going in the first round next year, you've got to kind of balance what expectations can be realistic. 
we do continue to like to go after that second year secondary leap because it's just so difficult when a player plays as well as some of these guys play in years one and year two, then it's hard not to view them just as if they were a veteran and forget about the secondary leap that especially happens between year one and year two. So you are going to continue to chase some of those guys. But for the most part here, we want to be looking at it from a more global perspective. And that does mean taking some of the post hype or the buy low. And with the QBs looking at, you know, what are the range of outcomes here that these guys can realistically hit? What's their fantasy profile look like? Are they going to be moving into a better or a worse situation? I mean, last year, guys like Daniel Jones and Jerry Goff were fantastic picks. I think they're merely solid or maybe even a little bit risky at their new prices. You have to be willing to find the next guy. I think I think Daniel Jones might... Daniel Jones in the, the mid-second is a very risky pick. As much as you like him and as much as I like him, um, you know, to, to for him to return on on that selection is is very tricky. When you look at somebody potentially like a Jared Goff in the, the fourth round versus Daniel Jones in the second, I, I don't think there's a huge amount of difference. Obviously, Jones has the rushing ability, but in terms of the overall production at the end of the season, I don't think we'll see a huge difference. So you're looking to get some of those values. And one of the interesting things that happened here, you mentioned we were one of three teams that passed on a quarterback in both round one and round two. Both of the other teams came back and selected QBs in both rounds three and four. And so they end up getting into QBs at, as fast as almost any other drafter in many cases faster. And I like what they did, right? You have the team as Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, and then Tua does go one pick ahead of where we would have selected him. So we weren't able to make that selection. And the team who does that also picks Derek Carr coming back around. You look at the teams that are going after Carr, there are some landmines. There are also some situations where he could end up with very good weapons, in which case Derek Carr in round four. Again, it's a little bit more of a floor pick, but it's a pick that we like. We've been on Derek Carr. He had a solid season last year and gets benched and cut. And yet, He's going to land very much on his feet this year. You would prefer to get a better price than this. And I think that once we have a little bit of a sense of some of these other guys, once we have a little better sense of whether Trey Lance or Brock Purdy is really in the driver's seat, you'll get better prices. Once people become more comfortable with Matthew Stafford, you'll get better prices. Once Kenny Pickett has you know, some of those wild plays in the offseason and people think about who his – weapons are you'll get better prices not on those guys but on players like golf and car because drafters won't be won't feel the pressure to draft a safe high floor player there they're willing to wait on some of these guys who are going much much later once we see where the rookie qbs end up they're going to be more expensive and again push down the prices for guys like car and golf so we had really sort of throughout the draft as someone like a jordan love who does appear that he's going to be the QB in Green Bay next season. As that starts to solidify, he's going to get much more expensive and, again, push some of these other prices down. So we have these drafters who went Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, two QBs. The other drafter is Christian McCaffrey, Cooper Cup. I mean, it's impossible to really imagine a better start than McCaffrey Cup to your draft. That drafter gets Kyler Murray, Jerry Goff. So if Murray actually goes out there and is able to play without missing too much of the season. That roster, at least through four rounds, there are some auto selections as we go along. It's not 100% clear if those auto selections are on purpose where 
you know, the pre-drafts have been put in or if they timed out. But, I mean, that team looks absolutely fantastic. You like the drafters who are taking a little bit of risk on these QBs because if Kyler Murray plays most of the season and your team does make it into the mix, you're talking about Kyler Murray having more or less the same profile as maybe not a Jalen Hurts, but if Kyler Murray is healthy, he slots in as the 104. You're getting him at the off, end of yeah. the third yeah. round. Yeah. I, this is a beautiful construction at this point in the offseason. And for $35, if you blow this team, if he misses most of the year, I think that you're okay with that risk-reward profile. Yeah, and I was going to say my favorite pick through those opening three rounds is Kyler Murray, who I think at you know quarterback 13 is feels like a steal. There's a lot of risk baked into that, but if he's there for the majority of the season, I think he will outperform that quite easily. Um, so we'll see what, what happens. But um, yeah, lots of question marks around different parts of the NFL, obviously, at the moment, which makes it a little bit interesting for the fantasy landscape. And obviously, if you're getting in here and getting into these drafts, it's never too early. That's why it's called the never too early tournament to get involved but if you are interested sean did mention something that i meant to mention at the start this is a slow draft that blair and sean are taking part in i know we play over at the at underdog and we play at the ffpc and the, the draft we're doing this weekend with the listeners is going to be a on the clock fast draft but there is also slow drafts available where you can draft as time moves by sometimes news comes out that can help you with your selections but it is a lot of fun to do those slow drafts as well so check those out over at the ffpc we did go through the opening two rounds, Sean. I'm going to go pretty rapid fire here. We name some of these players. We'll go through round three and four just to give the listeners an idea who's going in those ranges. It is Brees Hall, Derek Henry, C.D. Lamb, Kirk Cousins, T.J. Hawkinson, Tua. Then we get Mark Andrews, Amon Ross St. Brown, Marty, who we just talked about, T. Higgins, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, Josh Jacobs, Kenneth Walker. Then we get Nick Chubb, Jared Goff, Aaron Rodgers, Garrett Wilson, Derek Carr, Travis Etienne, Najee Harris, Devontae Smith, Debo Samuel, Trey Lance. So that is the four rounds is how the players all run through. Sean and Blair at this point have Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Mark Andrews, and Garrett Wilson. And we know how much we, we love Garrett Wilson around these parts. But the article that Blair did covering the picks they thought about taking, Sean has mentioned some of them on today's show, who maybe the best pick in that round was and, and some of his other thoughts are available on rotaviz.com the link to that article will be in today's show notes if you are interested in signing up for a rotaviz nfl pass you can do so with the promo code rv radio 2023 at checkout that will save you 10 percent off a one-year subscription to get you access to all of the content and tools up on rotaviz.com as sean as i mentioned there we are drafting this sunday and i don't know if the listeners can hear it in my voice but i have uh, a level of excitement ahead of this draft to to dive in to get involved and to see where we land see what draft slot we get see what picks we can make and talk through it all after so there will be some shows coming out over the next week or so as we document the draft and then document our thoughts on how the draft went how we what we would change what we would do differently but last call if you're interested in drafting with myself and sean send an email my way at overtime ireland at gmail.com or send a dm on twitter at overtime ireland but i will be reaching out to the successful entrance early this week so this is going out on monday if you're listening to this after wednesday i would guess that it's it's too little too late but do send an email anyway because we will have more drafts over the coming months and i'll put you on the list but sean as we finish up any final thoughts on the the draft so far 
just that I'm pretty excited for this weekend as well. I had a blast doing this exercise with Blair, as you mentioned. He does have a lot of other cool notes in the article. He'll be doing some follow-up pieces. Blair is probably the top voice, along with Connor O'Driscoll, of people you want to be reading on best ball. Uh, Michael Dubner put together fantastic strategy pieces for us on Rotoviz last year as well. Really appreciate all the people who reached out and told us that they won tournaments last year because of the strategy series. <laughs> there were some really big wins. And so that obviously made us <laughs> feel good for what the listeners are accomplishing. But no, I can't wait. And so we do have a couple spots left. Jump into this draft. Colum and I are guaranteed to do some weird things. We know some of the other drafters will also uh, take some crazy tactics that always makes it fun compared to, you know, some of the more, I wouldn't say mundane, but more traditional drafts that you see out there. And then Colin will have a lot of coverage of that over the next week. You're going to be on vacation the following week. And so we're going to have those draft shows up as we get uh, into the beginning of March. Colin already close to the third month of the 2023 season. I can't wait. This has just been so much fun. Yeah, it's crazy how quick the year's going. And Sean mentioned I am going on vacation, but don't worry, we will have that hashtag content. Sean enjoys when I do that, but uh, we will have that coming still when I'm away. So it'll be uh, seamless. I think that's what we call it. But uh, more news on that uh, later in the week. Uh, send me, uh, tweet me, where do you think I'm going on holidays for, uh, for the giggles? But we will be back later in the week with our two shows, our Tuesday show, our Thursday show. So make sure you are subscribed to the Road of His Overtime podcast feed to get those once they are available. But until we are back, my name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and you can check out all of Sean's work up on rotoviz.com. Until then, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.